Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Let's face it, most people aren't making massive turkey feasts on the regular, and after 364 days of not thinking about it, it can be hard to get that bird just right. That's where Instacart, the holiday rescue app, comes in. From getting all the ingredients to prep a full seasonal spread to getting last-minute swamps in a turkey emergency, Instacart has everything a holiday host needs to save face and save dinner. And right now, if you download Instacart, you get free delivery on your first three orders and delivery in as fast as one hour. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by BetMGM. It is early Saturday morning. I appreciate all you guys joining us at this hour. Joining me uh, is my co-host, Sub-Zero. I forgot my costume. Maybe I'll give you some Halloween stuff a little later. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I can't wear that mask through the entire show. It's just one of those, like really dense rubber mask where it's on for three seconds and the condensation's already in your eyes, but, uh, doing good. Uh, yeah. Uh, Halloween weekend, Halloween's in a couple days, nice little Saturday morning. Uh, pretty big slate here tonight. Um, lots to talk about from last night as well. I mean, we, we should just jump right into last night's slate. I got crushed. Um, you said you didn't do that well either. Uh, I did see, uh, in our discord though, we did have, um, I think we had a late slate winner from um, Asim um, took down uh, the hip check in the late slate. So congrats to him. Uh, Colorado, New Jersey, man, what happened? Um, I, I watched that game too. It, 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 it looked like a defensive battle between two uh, really, you know, between like two versions of the 2018-19 New York Islanders and not two high-powered offenses that we're, that we're used to. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, and this is a good example of why Sith Sith Lords don't play DFS because if they handle an absolutes, what we talked about yesterday didn't really happen. Like we were expecting Colorado to be high scoring. We were expecting Pittsburgh to be high scoring. What should happen don't sometimes, as the great Buddha man says. Well, you know, it's funny um, that the Islanders would go into Carolina and just beat the brakes off them last night because we actually brought that up in yesterday's show. There was a game like that last season with Columbus going into Carolina. Carolina, you know, massive favorite, cup contender and all that. Uh, Columbus <laughs> Columbus was, was on a big slide and they went in and just pounded them like 6-1 or 7-1. And I like, that's just hockey, man. That's the way it goes some nights. Yeah, uh, we did talk about liking Vancouver, too. They did well last night, at least, you know, compared to most of the lines we talked about. Like, so, like that's going to happen. Like, we're on almost every day. Most of the stuff we say is going to be wrong, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, most lines don't go off on a given night. That's the whole point. Um, and, you know, that's why people play 20 max or 150, and it's, you know, the frustration of playing single entry or three max sometimes as well. But – we're here every day giving you the best advice and analysis that we can. We're not always going to be right. And last night was one of those nights, but we're here. We'll take responsibility for that. And we'll be back today, you know, giving you our best. And we have a nine gamer tonight. Uh, pretty good slate. Lots of high road totals. One very high home total. Uh, it's an interesting slate. But before we get into it, give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with our all of our shows DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Don't forget, almost all of our content is available in podcast form on the platform of your choice, except for the live before locks. Help us out by leaving a five-star review. Obviously, I'm a broken record with this, but it helps us out a lot. It helps you guys because it helps us give you free content like this on the regular. So let's jump into this nine gamer first game of the night we have the chicago black like chicago blackhawks after going nuts the other night and us trash talking domi for of course they're the first game of the night tonight so (laughs) 
Salt in the open wound. Chicago Blackhawks at the 2.9 total heading into Buffalo. The Sabres have a 3.8. Like, come on. This, this is just a festival right out of the gate. Um, Arvid Soderblom is confirmed for the Blackhawks, and that might not be a name you recognize. However, he is one of their top prospects. They're expecting him to be the goalie of the future. Again, with goalies, it's kind of just like picking – something out of a bag you just don't know what you're going to get but he is if he does have the skills it's just a matter if it translates uh craig anderson probable for the sabers man like we don't have an ownership run yet but <sighs> hawks won super cheap sabers won fairly cheap compared to what they've been at times this early in the season rasmus Tallinn up to 7800 that's a circus but there is, unfortunately, there is stuff on both sides that I like here. Yeah, um, I'm just going to start right away with uh, the Buffalo top line. Um, obviously, it's been kind of a rough start uh, for some of them. I know Jeff Skinner scored in their last game, but we talked about how Skinner really wasn't taking uh, a, a ton of shots. Um, you know, Tage Thompson had, what, 37 goals, I think, last year. Um has only one so far this season, but he is managing over three shots per game. So it's not like they're not getting their chances, right? It's just um, sometimes there's maybe too many shots going to Alex Tuck, which is probably why you're seeing uh, an inflated price uh, compared to uh, what Jeff Skinner is or compared to, you know, even what Tate Thompson is. So um, they've actually been playing well offensively. They just haven't been finishing their chances. 3.6 expected goals four per 60 minutes this year, only 2.3 actual goals scored. That's kind of an issue. That's been an issue for Tage Thompson for most of his career, other than last season. Like that was, that was the one thing that kind of indicated a breakout could be coming was that he was starting to shoot a lot in, you know, in low minutes and in lower uh, slots in the lineup. Um, Now that he's on the top line or has been on for, you know, for over a full season now, it's the finishing problem. It's can they actually finish the chances that they do get? I mean, I do like their chances against that Chicago second line here tonight. You know, the Chicago second line got mixed up a little bit in their last game. They moved Jujar Kyra off and moved Philip Kershev up. I know it's it's bad news for your buddy Kyra, but I, I looked at that Chicago game. Remember, they were at home to Edmonton, and it was kind of a back-and-forth, high-scoring game um, most of the time. Chicago's had, I think, five forwards not play at all in the final six or seven minutes. Like, it was just their top guys, and it didn't include Kyra. So, um, I think Hershev makes that line a little bit better defensively if he stays there. But, you know, below water, they have trouble generating offense. And if you're not generating offense, that means you're probably playing defense. Uh, And if they give up too many chances to this Buffalo top line, I really do like them here uh, tonight in this particular matchup. So, I'm back in on Buffalo one, especially where, you know, the prices are very reasonable. Um, you know, Thompson is still only 5,500 over on FanDuel. Jeff Skinner's under 5K on FanDuel. I imagine they're going to carry a lot of ownership because it is the Chicago matchup. Um, but I do like Buffalo one here. As for the rest of the Buffalo lines, like, I still don't know why they're sitting Rasmus Asplund. Like, I think he's probably one of their four or five best forwards, certainly one of their best two-way forwards. Um, and Casey Middlestat's numbers uh, without Cousins or Asplund, absolutely awful. Um, 4.4 expected goals against uh, going back to last season. Um, the problem is, is they're going to they send them out against a lot of the depth from Chicago, and like you're not going to sit here and play, you know, play, you know, Jason Dickinson or Sam Lafferty or something like that. So, um, I'm probably out on Chicago one. I don't have a problem necessarily playing. I know it feels bad to say that again. I don't have a problem uh, playing them kind of in a nutshell, uh, especially where Craig Anderson's starting. Like I know Craig Anderson is a nice story, you know, playing into his 40s back in Buffalo and all and all that stuff. Um, but he just hasn't been good with the Sabres. You know what I mean? He's had a few good games. Any goalie can have good games. We're just talking on a consistent basis. So because of that, no problem going back um, to Chicago uh, one. But the Blackhawks take a ton of penalties. Second by time shorthanded uh, on the season. They only have a mid-range penalty kill. The Buffalo power play isn't great, but I think they're going to get a lot of chances in this game uh, against the rookie goalie. I like Buffalo one the most uh, in this contest. 
Yeah, I, I, I was smiling about you saying you're not going to be on Chicago one because I don't think I will be either. And it's just it's a case of like, why would I hop back on this train now after they've had their big game? It just feels like you're chasing a little bit. But I completely understand if you want to play them. This is a very, very good matchup. I do like Buffalo one as well. Talk at 6,900, like, I think it's a fine price, but he should not be that high compared to the other guys on the line. Like, if all those guys were in the 6,000s and that line was was churning like they normally did, I, I would say that's fine. But, like, if they funnel more shots into Skinner, you know, Tuck's price is going to come down a little bit. Skinner Skinner's price is going to go up a little I mean, bit. I mean, no matter Homer Road, I don't think there should ever really be a case where Alex Tuck is more expensive than Patrick Kane. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, that's why, like – Tucked, I think he is overpriced, but the line is still good. Yeah. I mean, that ended up being the Eichel trade is looking pretty good for the Sabres. Alex Tuck is a nice player, but 6,900 remains to be seen. On the blue line, Rasmus Dahlin, 7,800. That is crazy. Jacob Bryson, min price is fine. Own power, 3,800 is okay. On the Hawk side, Seth Jones, if you're stacking Chicago one, even as a one-off, I think he's fine. Jake McCabe, 3K interests me. I wish Jack Johnson, I can't believe I just said that. I wish Jack Johnson was like 32-ish, but at 4,100, it seems a bit expensive for his skill set. Yeah, I think uh, Jacob Bryson might be one of the punts of the day, like the stone men punts. Um, he got moved up to the top pair with Rasmus Dahlin. Um, they tried Owen Power there in the last game, didn't really work out. Needless to say, uh, losing at home to Montreal. Uh, so they move Jacob Bryson to the top pair. Maybe he gets uh, some more minutes. So if you need a 2,500 defenseman on DK, don't mind him. Um, Connor Murphy, like he's blocking a lot, which makes him, you know, kind of playable on DraftKings. But, you know, that mid-fours range and the way they run their D, it's like Seth Jones plays 25 to 30 minutes and then everybody else is under 20. So does Buffalo generate enough where – you can rely on Murphy for a block bonus and then probably an assist just to reach value. I think he's probably too expensive. So I think Bryson's my favorite defenseman here, um, just considering all the costs. Yeah, the, the pun of the day just reminded me of Dumb and Dumber. Mm, what's the soup du jour? <laughs> Jacob Bryson, I'll have it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kermit the Frog here to introduce the next game. We have the Minnesota Wild with a 3.7 total heading into Detroit. The Wings have a 3.0 total. All right. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm jacked up on so much energy right now. This could be a wild joke. <laughs> anyway, it's probably going to be Marc-Andre Fleury against uh, Nadelkovich. They're unconfirmed. But um, we'll see. It could it could be, you know, different goalies. But as yeah, of now, so, but... what was that? They could go to Huso, but I, I honestly I think you should probably look at Huso and Nadelkovic as pretty interchangeable goalies. Yeah, it, it could be fifty. Like I, I think they're one A, one B for the uh, for the Wings. Anyway, uh, Larkin very expensive. Kubalik per, uh, with Peron, like that line's really expensive. And the problem is, like the Wings don't send out their top line against top line. So, like, I'm worried that Larkin may see some Joel Erickson neck here. That being said, the Wild defensively is still not great. I don't know if I want to pay 18 and change for the Wings top line here. I think I would rather just go back to the Wild top line, maybe some Boldy. What are you thinking? So, I think we have to mention there's just a lot of injuries and suspensions and whatnot on the Detroit side. Like, Larkin... Took a maintenance day yesterday in practice. Now, they said they hope he can play tonight, but I don't like hearing maintenance day and then hope he can play or, you know, considered probable or possible for today. Like, Larkin might be out here. Um, even if he's in, Michael Rasmussen is suspended. Oscar Sunkvist is injured. Tyler Bertuzzi is injured. Robbie Fabry is injured. And Jacob Vrana is in the player assistance program. If Larkin's out, they could have six of their top nine forwards missing in this game. Um, even if Larkin is back, they could have five of their top nine forwards. They will have five of their top nine forwards missing from this game. I, like we've talked about how they kind of replenished and finally gave themselves some forward depth in the offseason. And all it took was like two weeks of game action for all that forward depth to completely disappear. So as we sit here right now, it's kind of tough to say exactly what to play on the Detroit side because if Larkin's out, 
it changes everything about that team, right? Because then all of a sudden you have a $3,000 on DraftKings, at least, Andrew Kopp moving to the top line and probably playing like 22 minutes or something here and tonight. And Suter probably moves up into the top six as well. He's been right. And, and like, and then the second line probably becomes unplayable because then you're looking at like Zadina, like Suter and, and like Raymond or Soderblom or something like that, right? So it's, it's hard to, I'm assuming Larkin is in like, Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Sometimes when a guy takes a maintenance day, they are injured, but usually like they'll, they're fine to play. So assuming Larkin is in, him and Perron they have this weird thing going on where they're not generating a lot, but they're finishing a lot. And that's kind of been the hallmark of Perron for the, like the last few years is like back, even back in St. Louis, they didn't have super strong expected goals numbers, but they always finished. Like I think it was just kind of the way they played um, offensively, but uh, you know, 3.3 expected goals against kind of speaks for itself for how uh, tough they've been um, or how bad they've been defensively. Sorry. Um, Larkin and, you know, uh, to further that point, Dylan Larkin's shot rate down, but his expected goals uh, rate is up uh, on his shots, but it's all driven from the power play. And that's the one thing I kind of expected uh, David Perron to help with in Detroit, and that is the power play. And Dylan Larkin's certainly getting a lot of better looks on it. Um, Minnesota takes a ton of penalties as well. Uh, top five by time shorthanded per game. Um, and bottom five, I think, bottom six by expected goals against per 60 minutes on the PK. So maybe the Detroit power play, if Larkin is in, can get there tonight. I don't imagine there's going to be much ownership because you're right. This pricing is really, really high. Um, you know, the total's fine at 3.0, but that's not a super high home total, right? I guess we just assume if they do score, it would all come from the top line, maybe the second line. Um, I would also note Lucas Raymond moved back to the top power play unit. So, um, he's a pretty cheap option on the second line. So if you don't want to pay in the mid fives for a Kubelik, you can probably save a thousand dollars and just add Mason Raymond or Mason Raymond, Lucas Raymond instead uh, to a top power play stack. So I think that's what I like here from Detroit is assuming Larkin's in is some sort of power play stack. You can add Philip Ronick on the blue line if you want or not. But I think that's where Detroit kind of makes their hay in this game. If they do score a few goals, I think it's because the power play gets there on the Minnesota side. I really don't see much that can slow down um, this that Minnesota top line. Like the Detroit um, second line with Andrew Kopp is struggling uh, defensively this year. Um, you know, I think injuries play a part of that. You know, having Joe Valeno or Adam Ernie on that second line certainly isn't going to help a ton, uh, depending who's in the lineup. Um, but 4.0 expected goals against in their uh, 90 minutes uh, so far this year. Um just a really, really bad mark uh, defensively. They're going to get that Minnesota top line. The Minnesota top line, obviously, always in play uh, for us. Um, you know, the Detroit Detroit actually does have uh, a pretty good penalty kill so far on the season. So that would be the one thing kind of keeping me away from Minnesota is, like, they're struggling a lot at 5-on-5. Five five. They're just really making hay on the power play. If they only get, like, two or three – penalty kill or power play opportunities against a pretty good Detroit penalty kill. I really don't like their chances here tonight. So uh, just right out of the gate, I'll say Detroit power play is my favorite thing in this game. Um, if you want to get, you know, kind of cheap, you can do like a, a boldy Felino two man. What I will say is Freddie Godro has made that Caprizov um, Zuccarello top line much better defensively. And I think that's kind of something that we, uh, you know, more or less expected with them. So, um, it does make, you know, the second and third lines from Detroit, the guys that will see that Minnesota top line just, you know, completely out of play for me. So, again, Detroit power play, maybe some Boldy and, you know, Felino or Boldy and Rossi two mans. Uh, that's it for me from the forwards. Yeah, this game's kind of a mess. We'll have to wait and see if Larkin's in. That will change a whole bunch, but I am on the Minnesota side here. Moving to the blue lines. Philip Ronick's okay, 4,400, I guess. More at Cedar, 5,900 seems a bit expensive, not being on the top power play. Ben Sherratt, same deal. 
Uh, on the Minnesota side, Callen Addison up to 4K. I still think that's a fine price. Jonas Brodeen down to 2700 is an interesting play for me. Uh, if you want to punt, I think he's fine. Middleton's a fine punt. You want to spend up for Spurgeon, I think that's fine as well. Yeah, Jer- uh, like Brodeen's fine because of his price. He just he's getting pretty uneven ice time. Like you'll see him, you know, in the teens, and you'll see him at 21, 22, which kind of makes him the perfect tournament play in that sense. Um, I just, you know, he's coming off a decent game, and I wonder about ownership. For me, Jared Spurgeon is the interesting name because his, you know, it's only seven games, but his blocks per 60 minutes, uh, way, way up from what he's ever done in his career, um, like 50% higher than his next closest season on a per 60 basis. I wonder if it's like he's not running the power play anymore. So he figures he has to try to find a different way to contribute to the team defensively or, or whatever. Um you know, it is a small sample, but he can score. He's a good puck mover. He'll play, uh, you know, 22, 23 minutes, uh, can block some shots. Like, I think he's, you know, um, where he's only a couple hundred dollars more expensive than Connor Murphy. Um, I think he's one of the guys in that mid-fours range that I would target if I, if I have that amount of salary left uh, here tonight on DraftKings. I agree there. We have a, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a super chat that I'll put up on the screen from M. Haas. 17 he says any canadians of the montreal persuasion tonight thank you for the super chat your blues hate is incredible for being a blues fan i will say that montreal's coming up in two games we'll break that down i will say the blues have the biggest total of the night so canadians don't have a, a very like their road total is fine so we'll get to that game in a second but man spending 2.99 to bash your blues is quite a scene knee house I mean, I think that's the sign of a true fan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of have to keep digging your hole and uh, just keep beating yourself over the head with how bad the team is. And then if they do well, you're pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm a long-standing Montreal fan, so I'm very well aware of cheering for a very bad team. Yeah, we'll get to that game in a couple minutes. But first, let's get to the next game. Carolina Hurricanes with a 3.8 road total going into Philadelphia. The Carter Hearts have a 2.9 total. Uh, Carolina played last night. How was Carolina on the road again? <laughs> I'd be so mad if I were them. Like a five or six game road trip, gone for two weeks, and then you come home and then oh, you're going right to Philly. Yeah. Boy. Back to back on the road after getting their brains beat in with a 3.8 total. Um, yeah, Freddie played last night, so it's probably going to be Auntie Ranta. It's pro- I would be shocked if it wasn't Carter Hart. Um, Carolina, probably the same lines. Florida or Florida, Philadelphia going with Farabee, Hayes, Konechny, Noah Cates, Lawton, Tippett. I mean, I like I I don't know what to do with this this Canes total. It's it's massive. Carter Hart's been incredible to start this season. Carolina back to back on the road. I would imagine that Carolina doesn't have much ownership here. Maybe you go back to them. And as far as the Flyer side, maybe the top line. Uh, but that's really about it. What are you seeing? Yeah, like for the Flyers, it's it's pretty much always top line or bust for a number of reasons. I mean, one, you know, they play heavy minutes. You'll see these guys sometimes, um, you know, in the 20, 21, 22 minute mark, um, two out of the three on the top power play unit. Um, you know, they're reasonably priced, I think. Like, I don't think they're getting too, too excessive. Um, and Travis Konechny, I think, is, is kind of worth noting here. Uh, 6,100 tonight. Uh, over on DraftKings, 6900 on FanDuel. His price is creeping up, but I notice his power play shooting is through the roof this year, considerably higher than um, what he typically does. So he's really starting to, you know, kind of find himself on the power play after the Flyers' power play has struggled for a while. And honestly, you got it. You know, you got to give a bit of credit, I think, to Tony D'Angelo there. Like it seems like wherever that guy goes. Uh, maybe his teammates don't like him, but he certainly helps them score uh, on the power play. So, um, yeah, I don't really have a problem going to Philly one here tonight. The problem is, is like Carolina didn't necessarily play that bad last night. I think they kind of played an even game. It's just, you know, you have Julius Roken uh, going up against you. Um, sometimes those things happen. I'll also mention for Carolina, they changed up their lines late in the game last night. They moved Jordan Martinuk uh, to the top line with Sebastian Ajo and Seth Jarvis and then moved Tuvo Teravainen down to the third line. So 
that would really mix things up for me here. Like Aho and Martinook actually have some good numbers together going back a couple of years. Um, you know, controlling about 56%, uh, 57% of the expected goals when they're on the ice. But Martinook has always had a problem finishing. Um, and he's not really a great playmaker. So um I, I think it could hurt the offensive upside of that line if he's there. We're just gonna have to wait and see uh what they say uh when warm-ups roll around. I think I would be much more tempted uh to go down to that Carolina second line, uh Natchez and Svechnikov. Um Natchez looked great again uh last night. Um uh, just want to say that. Um they've been really, really good this year. 3.0 uh expected goals generated in 85 minutes together, 4.1 actual goals. Um, you know, Sveshnikov always shoots uh, the puck a fair bit. Uh, even Natchez, well, you know, up to two and a half shots a game is, you know, considerably better than what he was doing last year. So I think I like Carolina too going into that Philly second line because that Philly second line doesn't strike me as if it'll be pretty good. Like, <clears throat> Owen Cates and Owen Tippett haven't, you know, they've been playing fine offensively. The defense has been about average. Honestly, I just it's just back to back on the road on a on a nine game slate. We still don't have uh, lineup combinations. Philly um, doesn't draw a lot of power plays. Um, is kind of the problem with going to their top line. And Carolina typically has a very good penalty kill. So I think this is a game where if I'm one to three maxing, I'm looking for one offs like uh, one off Martin Natchez, one off Joel Fairby, one off Travis Konechny. Um, I even think you can go back. Um, to Tony D'Angelo in this matchup, even though Carolina does have a pretty good penalty kill. It is anti-Ranta in net instead. But I think this is a game where I'm not full stacking any of the lines. I'm just more looking to fill it in as a one-off forwards, one-off winger somewhere. I agree. And let's get to that blue line on the flyer side. Yeah, Tony D'Angelo, 6,600 may seem overpriced for Tony D'Angelo, but I think he's fine as a one-off in this system. Uh as far as anyone else on the Flyers, probably not. On the Carolina side, I think Burns is fine. I think Brady Shea is fine. Brett Fish is fine. Brett Pesci is fine, you know. But that's really about it. I like how you stuck that in there. Um, Burns finally scored last night. Um, got the shot bonus, too. It was a nice night for him. Um, you know, I you know, I think Brett Pesci, particularly over on FanDuel, is fine, where he's only 4,200. Um, Ivan Provorov has been putting up um, massive peripherals so far this season, which, you know, maybe that's the Tortorella effect. Like Tortorella is telling him, listen, if you don't get two clock shots per game, I'm, I'm playing you 17 minutes a night or something like that. Uh, he's also shooting the puck a fair bit. So I, I think this might be, you know, if you're worried about the Carolina penalty kill and all that, and you don't want to go to a high price D'Angelo, I think Provorov could make a really low on pivot um, on DraftKings particularly, just because, um, you know, the peripherals are, are really valued there. So um, if you don't want to play D'Angelo or you don't want to play Seth Jones or something like that, I think uh, Provorov makes a nice loan option here tonight. For sure. Hi, Harry Carey here to tell you about a BetMGM NBA no-brainer promo. Comes win. If you bet $10, you win 200 If any team hits a three-pointer, it's a no-brainer. Michael, what do you think? This offer is available in all states except New York, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, and Ontario. It must be a pregame money line bet. It's basically free money from, from the sports books. So take advantage of it. Hi, Michael. If you are a hot dog, would you eat yourself? I know I would. I'd smother myself in mustard and ketchup and take a bite. Cubs win. I don't know how you kept the straight face doing that the entire time. Oh, I was waiting for this. The, is the moon made of spare ribs? Uh, Hi. Hey, if the moon was made of cheese, would you take a bite? I would. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, the next game of the night. We have the Montreal Canadiens with a 2.5 total. Heading into St. Louis, the Blues have the biggest total of the night. They have a 4.2 total. I will say it's a lot easier to keep a straight face when I do that stuff because I have to bring up the run sheet and I can't see your reaction live. Okay. It helps a lot. Wow, I am jacked up right now. Anyway, probably going to be Jake Allen, probably going to be Jake Bennington. I don't know if Pavel Bucinevich is going to be back. The 4.2 total would make some sense if he was back in. Um, 
Jake Neighbors up on the top line with Shannon O'Reilly. So, like, if Buchnevich is back in, Buchnevich, Thomas Tarasenko would definitely interest me. Kairou, Thomas Tarasenko also interests me. Don't like that Kairou is not on the power play either unit for some. Well, he might be on the second unit, but the second line for the Blues. Um... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Very interesting to me. Also, don't mind going back to the Montreal top line here. I know they have they don't have a large road total, but like they're fully correlated. Mike Hoffman does his work on the power play. I think that's fine. You can also go to the second line for the Canadians. If you want some cheap power play here with like Monaghan and Drew. And what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I pretty, I, I'm pretty sure Drew <laughs> jumped to the top power play uh, in the last game. <laughs> I was wondering if that hurt your throat or not. Um, so Karu, Thomas Tarasenko, assuming they're together uh, again in this game, will all be on the same power play together. I was just looking at our early uh, projections here. Uh, for this game, and I'll bring it up um, on screen here. Thomas uh, Kairou Tarasenko uh, in that game on DraftKings projected for like 43 points uh, combined, which is a massive, massive number. Obviously, the implied goal total factors into that, but uh, normally you see top lines at home, they'll be, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 38 points, like being at like 43. Two, 43, 44 points is a massive, massive number. There's obviously going to be a lot of ownership uh, on that trio here tonight. Um, don't really have a problem using them. They've been really good uh, in their minutes together going back to last year. Three expected goals generated per 60 minutes, 4.2 um, actual goals. You know, Kairou, I, I you know, his season didn't really go underrated last year, but he was really, really good last season. And he's one of those dual threat guys like like Kaprizov. I don't want to say he is as good as Kaprizov, but he's a guy that at the end of the season, you can see him with 30 to 35 goals and, and 45 to 50 assists. Like he's both a scorer and a playmaker. And I think that's what they need on that line without Buchnevich there. Um, Cause you know, one, you know, Tarasenko is a goal scorer. Thomas is a playmaker. And now Kairou brings a little bit of both. Um, and they're going to get the second and third line matchups uh, from Montreal. And those matchups really, I mean, they aren't, they shouldn't be super tough, but Kirby doc and Sean Monahan have actually played pretty well together um, at least uh, defensively this year. Um, only one expected goals against for 60 minutes and they're 40 minutes together. So um pretty pretty good um defensively at least so far uh and Montreal doesn't take a lot of penalties like neither team takes a lot of penalties actually um both in the bottom 10 by time shorthanded and power plays opportunities power play opportunities for themselves as well so there may not be a lot of special teams in this game which worries me the only thing with St. Louis too like it is a pretty good matchup um, they're very reasonably priced. I think they're 16.7K, um, at least over on DraftKings. Um, the only problem is, like, I expect massive ownership here tonight. Like, I wouldn't be surprised when we if when we do our top stacks run if they come in at, like, 20 to 20%. You know what I mean? So, um, you mentioned Montreal 1. They're going to see the Ryan O'Reilly line. Ryan O'Reilly with Braden Shen and without David Perron, not very good uh, going back to last season. Like Shen's defensive numbers have really fallen off over the last few years. 3.2 expected goals against in 135 minutes together. 4.4 actual goals against. That's atrocious um, for him. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to keep allowing 4.4 per 60, but when you're allowing 3.2, you know, 
three and a half isn't out of the realm of possibility. So that Montreal top line of Suzuki, Caulfield, and Hoffman, um, not bad offensively in their sample together. 85 minutes, you know, 2.9 expected goals for per 60 minutes, which is right around what the St. Louis line generates that we just talked about. Um, you know, Caulfield and Suzuki probably going to play heavy minutes. I think Montreal one makes a decent contrarian option here uh, on this slate. Um, but it is St. Louis two that I like the most um, out of this game. It's just, there's going to be a ton of ownership. Yeah. Ryan O'Reilly, maybe it's his wingers because, you know, Shen's defensive game has fallen off. Jake from state farms, a rookie. So like, I don't know, like he, O'Reilly's getting up there for hockey age anyway. So maybe he's started to fall off. We saw it last year. His offensive stats fell off a cliff early in the season. Now he's starting to fade defensively. So yeah, I think going back to Montreal one is perfectly fine here. I wish like, I wish Mike Hoffman was on the top power play, but not on that line. Like, <laughs> I, I wish it was Monaghan or even like Gallagher or Josh Anderson or even Drew N. But like, I guess you could throw in Hoffman. He's 3,100 top power play. But yeah, uh, Montreal won. St. Louis two for me. On the blue lines here, Colton Pareko. Pareko. I always struggle with that name. I don't know why. Um, 4K, he's starting to shoot the puck more. He's actually getting some power play time, which is nice. Krug is fine. Justin Falk getting up there at 6,100 is a bit pricey. And he doesn't really correlate with blues too. Um on the Minnesota, Minnesota Montreal side, going to be Jordan Harris again. Um, that's probably about it. Yeah, um, I would say Caden Gooley over on FanDuel. I think he's 3,700 on FanDuel is is just fine. Um, not really a spot where I'm going for any defenseman. Just one, one final thing to mention is Montreal went five forwards on the power play last game. Uh, and Mike Hoffman was on the top power play with him, uh, along with uh, Sean Monaghan and Jonathan Drouin. Um, Monaghan uh, and Drouin on the, on the second unit or the second line together. So there's some power play correlation there. But the top line for Montreal, as long as they go back to five forwards on the power play, all perfectly correlated. Yep. So let's move on to the next game of the night. Let's, let's inhale that copium, Leafs fans. Toronto, 3.6 total heading into Los Angeles. The Our Kings have a 3.1 total. Goodness gracious, do the Kings suck defensively and in net, but the Leafs have been bad, at least from the scoring perspective. Maybe their micro macro stats look pretty good, but Mitch Marner, absolutely fraudulent to start the season. He's back in the doghouse for me. Um, Gabriel Velarde moved up to the top line with Kempe and Kopitar. That is spicy. The Kings top line is so cheap and fully correlated. Um, the second line, it remains the same. Now the third line is Carl Grundstrom, Blake Lazat, Kevin Fiala. Like maybe Byfield is back in the lineup because he was sick last game. Maybe we can get a Kaliev Byfield Fiala. That would be a nice third line. Granted, this wouldn't be the best matchup. The Leafs' best defensive lines are probably their bottom six. Uh, so I kind of like that Kings top line. Velarde has been excellent to start this season. Unfortunately, oh no, they send out Dano against Matthews, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Kopitar will see that Tavares Nylander Kerfoot line. And with Kerfoot there, it is an absolute circus defensively. So I do like the Kings top line. We'll have to wait and see an ownership. Do we go back to Leafs one? What do you think? Um, well, I'm glad that Michael Bunting is back on the Toronto top line. I like <laughs> why they put Alex Kerfoot there is just absolutely beyond me. I get like they're not scoring a ton, um, but they're you know 4.2 expected goals per 60 minutes uh, for the Toronto top line in 80 minutes this season with Michael Bunting on the top line. It's just they're shooting 6.4%. I wonder, like, Matthews has been hitting a lot more. Um, I think he's up over three hits per game. I don't know why he's doing this. Like, maybe they wanted to add a different dimension to his game. But, like, this guy's a 60-goal scorer. He doesn't need to be Alex Ovechkin. You know what I mean? Um, but anyways, that's kind of what they're doing here. Um, they're going up against Kings 2. Kings 2 has started to bring their game around a bit, at least offensively. Defensively, still at three expected goals against per 63.3 actual goals against per 60 minutes. Um, but they are generating a lot more offensively, so maybe they can put a little bit of pressure uh, on this Leafs top line. 
But Michael Bunting's down to 3,900. Mitch Marner's 6,500. Like, there were times last year where Bunting was in the mid-fives over on DraftKings. Um, He's still there on FanDuel, so you're really not getting that much in savings on FD. But at least on DK, um, you know, we saw Bunting in the mid-fives and, you know, Marner uh, in – you know, close to the eights or in the eights. And we saw Matthews uh, in the nines at times. Like there's a good chance this line is like $4,000 cheaper than um, like $3,000 cheaper than it would be, than it can be a month from now. Um, That's kind of the situation where I like taking players. Um, You know, Matthews leads um, projections in this game for, you know, any player by uh, a significant amount. In fact, he leads projections for everybody here tonight. Uh, on DraftKings by over two full points. That means he's over 10% ahead of everyone else. So maybe it's not a bad spot to go back to that Toronto one. Like they're generating a ton. Eventually this has to come through. And the Kings are fourth by time shorthanded this um, so far this season with Toronto top 10 in power play opportunities. Like the Leafs could get four or five power plays here tonight. I think this is just like it was in San Jose. And, you know, Matthew scored a goal and had seven shots. That's not a terrible night, even at his price. Um, but I think this is a night uh, to go back uh, to Toronto 1. So I do like Toronto 1 here. Kings 1 going against uh, that Kerfoot to Bars line, like three and a half goals against per 60 minutes in their 400 minutes together last year. Uh, some of it driven by goaltending. Um, I don't like, I think Velarde can help that line in the short term. And Adrian Kempe still shooting a lot. I just worry about a lot of ownership where they're perfectly correlated and they're only like 13,000 and change on DraftKings. So um, I think the line I like most in this game is Toronto one. If you want to add in, you know, they could get a lot of power play. So if you want to add in John Tavares instead of Bunting or, you know, uh, William Nylander instead of Marner or something like that, I think that's perfectly fine. Uh, Toronto power play is what I like most in this game. Um, I think you can go to Los Angeles one. I would just be worried about ownership. Yeah, I like Los Angeles one. I'm worried about ownership as well. Gabriel Velarde absolutely deserves to be up there over Kevin Fiala right now. Fiala needs to start shooting the puck more. Unfortunately, I do agree. I think it's a Toronto one night. Like the Kings defensively have been a mess. Their goaltending has been atrocious. If the Leafs can't break out against the Kings tonight, you know, maybe they start tanking for Bedard. <laughs> but um, wow. no, they're not that bad. Like they'll they'll break out. Like Matthews is kind of streaky. He scores goals in bunches, so once it once one goes in, it's gonna you know start raining here. Uh, moving to the blue line, uh, Dowdy up to fifty one hundred. I think that's still fine. Sean Dursey four K also fine on the uh, Leaf side. Riley at fifty six hundred for some power play correlation is probably around the cheapest you'll get him this season. If not, I think Rasmus Sandin at twenty nine hundred. Yeah, I was thinking Justin Hall, um, just because he might rack up some blocks. Um, I noticed Morgan Riley, like he's playing less than he has in quite a number of years, and he's shooting less than he has. So I wonder if his price isn't, you know, just kind of fair for right now. But it is a great power play situation for Toronto. So I agree, like he's perfectly usable um, here tonight. Um, That's probably about it. Um, maybe Matt Roy uh, on the Kings side if you want to get some blocks, but he's kind of in that Connor Murphy range where even on DraftKings, you need more than a block bonus from him, and I don't like that pricing. But again, he's one of those mid-four guys that's fine to use, just not running out to use him. For sure. I was going to do this read as Edgar and Men in Black, but I've never done this read before, so we'll save it for another day. Make your best bets in 30 seconds or less with Odd Shopper. With hundreds of bets featured daily, Odd Shopper gives you the edge you need betting player props and game lines across all sports. With expected win percentages and ROIs included, Odd Shopper features multiple projection methods which help you make the best bets available on the market. Odd Shopper also features a parlay builder with optimized parlays and an arbitrage tool that identifies risk-free, guaranteed profit bets that you can make across sports books. What are you waiting for? Click the link in the video description below to sign up for free with Odd Shopper and start making smarter bets now. Also, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, I have the big dog plus money uh, prop of the night. I use Odd Shopper and the stochastic projections for that pick. So like, you know, if you're, if you're tailing me on those picks, you probably, you could do your own research with Odd Shopper and, and the projections and let's make some money. 
four games left. Let's continue. We have the Colorado Avs with a three-point uh, two total heading into Long Island, which is a miserable experience. The Islanders have a 2.9 total. I uh, imagine it's going to be Yorgiev, and it's probably going to be Verlamov. Now, both these teams are on a back-to-back. The Islanders flew home from Carolina. The Avs were in New Jersey. It is a 37-hour drive with traffic from New Jersey to Long Island. Man, the Avs looked bad last night. Islanders looked pretty good. Both of these teams on a back-to-back, fairly decent totals on both sides. We'll we'll have to see if Nishushkin's in tonight. Don't know. Like, the Avs won 11-7 last night, and Martin Kaut played like six minutes. So, like, their top guys were on the ice for so much. They're probably going to be a little bit tired. Islanders just aren't great defensively. It's not. Sorokin and net most likely. So I think going back to the abs here makes some sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind, especially with Semyon Varlamov and net for the Islanders. Um, Sorokin's really separated himself over the last couple seasons from him. And uh, over the last two years, Varlamov's allowing a half goal more per game um, than Sorokin. That's, you know, over 25% more goals against. Um, it's just a function of how good Sorokin is. And Varlamov's not awful, but he's, you know, at best, like an average goalie um, at this point. Um, I think you're right. Going back to the Colorado top line makes a lot of sense. Now, um, just, the, you know, a little bit of a note here with that Colorado top line. Um, they did change their lines uh, at the end of last game. Evan Rodriguez moved to the top line with Arturi Lekkinen moving down um, to the second line. And then, Martin, like you said, Martin Kell was just, you know, pretty much sent to the press box after the second period. Um those top guys are going to play a lot. I think Nathan McKinnon played 25 minutes last night in a regulation game. Like that's pretty absurd for a forward uh, playing uh, 60 minutes. Um, with uh, Evan Rodriguez up there, it makes the top line fairly inexpensive. Like I think Rodriguez is 2,900 uh, on DK. Um, that brings the top line to like 18,004 or 18,500 if I'm doing the mental math right. Like, that's really cheap. And Rodriguez did stay on the top power play all all game yesterday, um, finished the game on the top line, played over 21 minutes, I think. So, like, I'm not wondering if just going to that Colorado top line with Rodriguez is fine. Now, we're going to have to wait until warm-ups because, um, obviously, with the back-to-back, we're not going to get morning lines, morning skates from Colorado. Um, but if he's on the top line, like 18, 18K and change for that top line uh, going up against the Islanders. Um, you know, the Islanders third line has been fine defensively, but league average. And if you're league average defensively against this Colorado top line with a downgrade in net on what should be an under own cop, top line for Colorado tonight, uh, we don't have our runs yet, but yeah, I'm going right back. I think Colorado one makes a lot of sense here. I also noticed Nathan McKinnon has a projection like 80% higher than any Islander skater. It was just funny. Um, I'll bring that up real quick on our earlier projections. McKinnon at 18.7, the closest Islander. Brock Nelson at 10.5. That's just kind of the way uh, that's going to go. So back in on Colorado one. On the Islander side, um, I think Wallstrom and Barzal makes some sense, especially with the way that Wallstrom's shooting the puck. Like he's top 10 in the NHL in shot attempts per 60 minutes, 90th percentile in individual expected goals. I think Wallstrom scored again last night. Um, so don't mind going back to them. Um, I'm not a big fan of that Islanders second line uh, with Nelson, Lee, and Beauvillier. I know Brock Nelson had a really good game last night. Um, we kind of liked him, but I think it's just a function of they're not that cheap. Lee really isn't shooting. I think Nelson's fine. Like if you want to one off him or something like that. But I think more than anything uh, in this game, it's the Colorado top line that I like, and maybe like a two minute Barzal Wallstrom. I hope Josh Bailey doesn't score again. It keeps making me look stupid. Yeah, and the annoying thing now that the wings aren't flexed to seven thirty, the Islanders are flexed to seven thirty, which means the. Colorado lines are going to be post-lock news. So if Nishushkin's back and it's not Evan Rodriguez, you're going to have to make some swaps unless you leave Evan Rodriguez up there. Just be aware if you are using the halves that you might need an expensive swap. But, you know, this is a good spot. I do like Colorado one, despite them being back-to-back on the road. Moving to the blue line, Cal McCarr, 7,400. 
much easier to fit if it is Erod on the top line. Uh, other than that, you know, you can go Taze. I think that's fine on the Islander side. Probably just Pellick for me, honestly. Like you can play Dobson, but like I don't want to spend sixty four hundred for Dobson tonight. I probably just get Pellick for the for the blocks. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Pellick thirty two hundred <laughs> probably makes. Uh, the most sense. I saw Taves only played like 21 minutes last night, so maybe coming back from injury, they just they're backing off 26 minutes. They threw at him his first game out. Yeah. So let's move on to the next game. Washington caps the 3.0 total going into Nashville. The Preds have a 3.2 total. I hate this game so much. Hate it. Probably Darcy Kemper. Probably Juice uh, UC Saros. I just I can't stand the caps lines. They're miserable for DFS. I just I. Like I want to give good analysis on this on the cap side, I just can't do it. Like maybe Stromo Vechkin's fine, just because you know the Predators penalty kill is pretty bad. I, it's going to be power player bust for me on the cap side. On the Predator side, I like the top line. Johansson looked decent. He scored with Forsberg and Duchesne. Forsberg's pricey, but he's always pricey. Duchesne's and Johansson are cheap, so probably. Caps power play predators one for me. I don't know if you're seeing anything else different. Yeah. Um, what I will say is Nashville um, kind of changed up their lines uh, a little bit last game. Um, you know, Cody glass was playing there quite a bit. Um, they did move their second and third lines around um, a little bit last game, but I'm like, I'm not sure if we're full stacking the second and third lines from Nashville anyway. Um, I'll start on the Washington side. I noticed Alex Ovechkin has a career low um, shot attempt rate at five on five so far this year. Whether it's been Kuznetsov or whether it's been Strom, they've really had trouble generating a five on five um, with um, Ovechkin on the ice. And that kind of, I think that kind of makes a good matchup for that Predators top line. I worry about ownership because that's another line that's, you know, in that 15K ish range, which means. Those are the lines that tend to draw a lot of ownership, especially when, um, you know, you're looking at a 3.2 total, which is reasonably high. Um, but I'm fine going right back to Nashville 1. Uh, four goals per 60 minutes in their 255 minutes together. They might not play a ton because um, they do like they do spread out ice time amongst their forwards. Um, but at 15K or whatever um, on DraftKings, I think that's uh, perfectly acceptable. Um, they're going to get that Ovechkin matchup. Stroman Ovechkin haven't been good defensively this year. Uh, three, almost three and a half goals against uh, per 60 minutes underwater by expected goal share. So I'm fine going back to Nashville one. Um, Nashville's penalty kill hasn't been very good this year, but um, you know, UC Saros tends to make a, a fairly large difference, but they are tied for 10th in power play opportunities given to the uh, opposing team. So um, I think like a one-off Ovechkin uh, makes sense here, even at 7,500, even with a, declining um, shot attempt rate at five on five because his power play shot rate is way up. I'm um, shooting a lot more on the power play. So I think one off of and even if you want two man with Strom is fine, but uh, it's Nashville one. I like uh, the most uh, training Sissons and Janot is interesting here. They played like 15, 16 minutes um, in the last game. They're all really cheap. Um, they're going to get the third and fourth lines from Washington and Janot has a sky high individual expected goals rate so far this year. Yeah. Um, maybe he can generate against some depth. So I don't, don't mind Chanel as a cheap one off here tonight. Yeah, he shoots the puck a ton. Um, it's nice to see if you need a cheap one off there, get secondary power play time. Moving to the blue line, Roman Yossi, also my big dog plus money prop of the night. I'm fine with him at 7,800. Uh, other than that, not too much on the Pred side. On the Cap side going to be Carlson for power play time. 7,100, that was a tough pill to swallow. I'd rather just play Yossi. Dimitri Orloff, fine at 3,700. Yeah, Yossi's probably the only guy I really like in this game. If Dante Fabro can ever start playing more than 16 minutes, um, I would be interested in him. But, um, yeah, other than Yossi, this just isn't a game where I'm really uh, digging for defensemen. Yep. Don't forget to get your free $200 at MGM. Sign up using the link in the description. Get that free money from the sportsbooks. Do it. Do it or Harry Carey will yell at you. Two games left. We got about five minutes left. Uh, Battle of Alberta time. Edmonton with a 3.6 total going into Calgary. The Flames have a 3.1. First thing you notice is the Flames top line, very cheap. The other thing you notice, 
the pair of McDavid and Drysaddle up to 17.5, which is more expensive than Flames 1, <laughs> which is actually nice because you just can't jam in those guys and be like, oh, I can also put in another power play stack with them. So you actually have to make a decision here. Um, I think the the Oilers' top line is fine. Like, the Flames are a pretty good defensive team. They just haven't been great. Um, I think for me, favorite line in this game might be Flames 2 on the Flames side anyway. Oilers power play, Flames 2, what are you seeing? I'll mention Flames, the Flames pop line here because um, they tend to take uh, second and third line matchups. Now, Edmonton's third line, not bad defensively with Fogel and Puliyarvi there. Second line, not very good defensively. 3.0 expected goals against um, per 60 minutes so far this year. Uh, more than anything, it's that Edmonton um, – is averaging five times shorthanded per game this year. And the Calgary power play um, has been really, really good. Um, at Kadri. least, yeah, Nazem Kadri, especially in the early portions of this season. So I think some sort of Calgary power play stack actually makes sense here tonight. Um, you know, Huberto, Kadri, and Anderson, or, you know, Toffoli, or Lindholm, Kadri, Anderson, or Toffoli, uh, you know, Huberto, Kadri, something like that. I think a Calgary power play stack makes the most sense. I do like Mangiapane as a one-off. Um, he's shooting the puck a lot as well and getting, you know, there are nights he plays more than Jonathan Huberto. So um, don't mind Mangiapane as a one-off. Not sure I'm going to get to the Edmonton side here in this game. Calgary, a uh, pretty good defensive team. Um, pretty good uh, on the penalty kill as well. Um, third fewest expected goals against on the PK so far this season. Um, they are taking a lot of penalties, um, so maybe that's the way Edmonton can get there. But, you know, um, coin flip between Edmonton and Edmonton 1 and Toronto 1 here tonight. I'm taking Toronto. Yep, let's quickly get to this last game of the night. Um, we have the Pittsburgh Penguins, the 3.6 total. Heading into Seattle, the Kraken have a 3 total. I will just say quickly, Peng Penguins back-to-back -back on the road. If Jake Gensel's back, definitely interest in the Penguins' top line. Otherwise, I'm not sure I'll full stack, maybe take some one-offs here. On the Seattle side, I just wish their lines were a little bit more consistent, but I think there is a little bit to like on the Kraken side. Yeah, um, just want to mention that uh, Dan Heinen was moved back up to the top line last night in place of Ricard Raquel, so it could be Russ Crosby Heinen on the top line, but where this is the late game, you just won't know until the very end of the slate, which kind of sucks. So um, I think if you're going to do anything from Pittsburgh, um, it would probably uh, just probably one off in guys. Like I'm just worried about stacking something and being caught with a line that's not actually playing or something like that. So I think you can two man like Crosby and Rust. I think you can two man Crosby and Malkin or something like that. But I think it'd be like one offing a Raquel, one offing a Malkin. Um, something along those lines. The Kraken have been good this year, but the goaltending remains, you know, pretty bad. So that's what we're banking on here. Um, on the Seattle side, I kind of like uh, going back to Burakovsky, Wenberg, Bjorkstrand. They played, you know, 18, 19 minutes in their last game, still generating um, a fair bit. You know, um, Bjorkstrand at four shots per game on the season. Um, probably going to get second and third line matchups. So back to Wenberg, Bjorkstrand, Burakovsky for me. Yep. Coming up right after us at the top of the hour, we have the NBA Strategy Show with Terry and Adam. Sorry we ran a little bit late, guys, but we will be wrapping it up now. Uh, who do you like in the net? Uh, well, I guess I don't mind Ilya Samson off for Toronto, and I honestly can't believe that I'm actually saying that. I think uh, UC Saros mid-sevens at home uh, makes some sense as well. Um you know, maybe Marc-Andre Fleury against Detroit, but that's kind of shaky. I think the two guys I like the most, honestly, are Samson off and Saros. Samsonite? I was way off. <laughs> uh, who you, who you liking for your hat trick pick? I got Nazem Kadri as my hat trick pick against the Oilers. That is a spicy meatball. I'm going Gabe Velarde. All right. Gabe Velarde, Nazem Kadri. I like it. Let's go. So for producer Sim Cliffy, I'm your host, Josh Harris. We will see you early next week. We'll see you in Discord and on Twitter. Good luck tonight, everybody. Happy Halloween. Come!
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.